I'm excited to start off our, um, our, our, or to continue on with the One for All series. I'm continuing on with week two. Uh, this, this series is all about one baby that became one man who lived one life and died one death, who had one resurrection for all people of all time. And last week we talked about the baby, but tonight I want to focus on, uh, we're going to focus on the man, uh, the man of Jesus Christ and who he was. And so a couple, a couple resources that you could actually uh, use, I want to shout out uh, Humilitas by John Dixon. Uh, it's a really great, uh, John Dixon was actually a history professor, and so he kind of tackles Jesus based on just a historical perspective in a couple chapters. It's really good. Uh, who is this man by John Ortberg is another great one. Uh, if you want to continue to unpack this topic of Jesus as a man, and then also uh, Liar, Lunatic, or Lord by C.S. Lewis, Lewis kind of poses the question that if we believe that Jesus was a man who walked the earth, who claimed to be God, then we kind of have to do something with him, right? Like you have to, he's either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he's a Lord, and, and uh, packages that. So again, a few resources, but I uh, want to really focus on, on, on him as a man. Corey talked last week, we had some fun uh, with... Um, with uh, Will Ferrell and uh, baby Jesus last week, right? We had the quiz and really tackled some misconceptions that we have um, from Jesus's birth story. And I want to kind of continue that trend with some misconceptions. Some of us have misconceptions. Uh, some of us may know, but who Jesus really was as a man, for instance, even his name, right? Some of us um, may not even really know his name. Um, his name that we get today is from Jesus, but that's actually from the, the, the Greek word that Paul translated his name in the New Testament as Isus, which was later translated into Latin as Jesus, which then we get Jesus in our current English vernacular. But, um, but if you were walking down the street and yelled Jesus, or Jesus was walking down the street and somebody yelled Jesus, he wouldn't have turned and looked, looked around. Actually, you would have had to yell Yeshua. Yeshua was actually his name within scripture. And so that's his name in Hebrew. Uh, his profession was not, he didn't like start off Messiah, right? Like at 12 years old, uh, he wasn't just like healing arms and legs growing back and stuff like that. Like his profession was not known as Messiah or savior. His profession was actually that of a, of a carpenter. And we find that in Mark six, actually, the Pharisees kind of used that against him at one point. He's teaching and he's like doing all this stuff. He's really kind of stealing the show from them. And then they're like, what is this? The carpenter boy? Like, is this the carpenter dude? Um, and so we know he was a carpenter growing up. His hometown was Nazareth. Um, and so what, why is that important? The, all these things are important, but in Nazareth is really important because it kind of tells us where he was where he grew up and what that, that area was like. So for me, I grew up in a small town, about 400 people. Some people would say there's more cows than people in that town. Uh, there's one blinking yellow light and people would say the same. It's like, if you blink, you'll, you're gonna miss it. If you drive through it, you miss it. Um, if you're looking for a Florida uh, kind of comparison, I think of like Immokalee, right? Like, you know, anybody know anybody from Immokalee? All right, not, that's kind of the point right there. Not really, right? It's some random town in the middle of the Everglades. You gotta drive an hour and a half to get to and then you gotta drive another and a half to get away from. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what Jesus, that's kind of the, the, the comparison to Nazareth of where he was born. Also his image, what he looked like. Some of us still have a picture that adult Jesus was walking around with a sheep in his arms, petting his a sheep like a cat mom, like some weird cat mom walking around. Yeah, like this right here. Um, yeah, I think like Aristocats, you know what I mean? The lady in Aristocats walking around singing. Like sometimes we think that with Jesus, except for, you know, change out the mansion with like a prairie field somewhere, you know, he's just like singing songs, you know? Uh, or if you don't like this Jesus, maybe you like more Jurassic Park themed Jesus, you know, that might fit your theme more. <laughs> 
But at the end of the day, right, like the whole brown hair, blue eyed, Jesus holding the sheep, it's just not factual. It's not, it's not real. In fact, we don't really actually know what Jesus looked like. Um, but a, a, a little while back, some, some British scientists and some Israeli archaeologists, they got together and using forensic anthropology, they actually put together um, a, a picture of, of something they believe to be more like the image of what Jesus may have looked like. And this is what they came up with right here. Again, we don't know for sure. He was plain. He wouldn't have been picked out of the crowd. We know that because Isaiah 53, 2 says there was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. But this is at least a more realistic, better picture of what he may have or could have looked like, a Middle Eastern man at that time. His language and what he sounded like, contrary to popular belief, Jesus did not speak King James. He didn't come prepackaged with these thous and thines. Uh, this is not factual. He also did not, um, most likely did not speak any language he wanted to whenever he wanted to, which doing some research this week, I found out a lot of Christians actually think that. Um, uh, I, we, we know that Jesus actually took on human limits. And actually the disciples, a lot of the gospels are actually recording the, the otherworldly, the supernatural events that took place around Jesus's ministry. So if he could just whip out some random language at any point in time, we would really think he, they would have written that part down. <laughs> in fact, in Acts 2, when it happens, they write about it. Wow, everybody's speaking in different tongues. It was crazy. So if Jesus was doing that, they would have written about it. Jesus did grow up in a multilingual culture, though. In, in around his, his hometown of Nazareth, they spoke Aramaic, and the, 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 the language throughout the region was Hebrew. And so Hebrew and Aramaic would have been the two languages he probably most likely spoke. Um, some scholars believe he also had some Greek uh, or knew some Greek as well because that was the universal language um, at the time still. But most of his messages would have been done in Hebrew or Aramaic. And so um, looking at this image of Jesus, let's throw that back up. And let's just, let's just for a moment, look at this image. I want us to, to kind of go down this road and it's really important. I'm going to tell you why in a second, but I want to just, just travel down this road for a second where we just look at the image. Imagine this, this man's name is Yeshua. And let's hear the language Jesus would have spoken in. We're going to play just a 30 second clip. It's the Lord's prayer in Jewish Aramaic. Abund bishmaya. Yitkadeshmach, Tite Malchutach, Teher Utach, Echmad Bishmaya, Ken Afber A. Lachman de Mer A. Ablan Yomadin Machra, Ushbaklan Chubain, Echmad Afshbaklan Lachai Bain, Ve Alta Eilan and Isayuna, Elad Selan Minbisha, Amin. It should start to at least change our perception a little bit. And maybe some of us have had misperceptions, misconceived perception. Maybe some of us have kind of gone down that road, or maybe we don't really have a perception of Jesus at all. But this is more the actual genuine picture of who Jesus was as a real man on earth. And the material aspect of knowing and understanding that he was a real man begins to shift things. Because just like last week with the birth story, as Pastor Corey talked about, if we Americanize our Jesus, we can easily distort him and we can start to make him whoever we want him to be. Do we see the flaw in that? And who Jesus is as Christians is who we're supposed to be following, right? So if we're following our own image-based perception of who Jesus is or could be, then we're really following our own image-based God. And that image could just become whoever we want that to become. 
Yet understanding that Jesus lived a real life. And when we start to become more and more grounded in the, in the reality of the language he spoke, the name he was called, a more realistic version of what he looked like and the impact he made while on earth, then we start to gain a better understanding of who he truly was and what he truly stood for. As we gain a better understanding of who he was and what he stood for, it leads us to a better example of who we should be following. So with that in mind, I wanna just talk about four main things that Jesus was, the way he lived his life, four ways that he lived his life that really could, are oftentimes contrary or just we have misconceptions about or don't really fit into our cultural or religious boxes. Number one is Jesus was a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who enjoyed life. Jesus was a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who enjoyed life. And I love this. He was fun. How do I know he was fun? I know it for a couple different ways. Number one, the children loved being around him. He, he, was, he kind of coined the phrase, let the children come to me, right? He had, if you, if you, if you um, can't be like the child, then, then you really have no place in the kingdom. And, and, and so he had this thing about kids. And I don't know if you've been hanging around with kids lately. I mentioned I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, but kids don't like to be around the mean, boring guy in the corner. <laughs> Newsflash. You gotta be fun. You gotta have something going for you here. And so Jesus was fun. And, and actually, I'm gonna show you quick. Um, there's a quick uh, chosen clip we're gonna show you here in a second. The chosen is this series they've been doing just recently um, on, on really Jesus's life and who he was as a man. I think this topic in, is so um, interesting, but I think if you, if you wanna continue to dive into it, the chosen is another great resource that you could sit back and watch. I think they've done a really great job at really showing and portraying who Jesus was in his life. And so this uh, next clip right here is just an interaction that Jesus has with a couple kids. Let's check that out. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives forth bread from this earth. And I pray that if there are ever two children who come visit my home here, you will give them the courage Stay. to say shalom no. so that they will know they do not have to remain in hiding. He's a good man. Stay. Amen. Stay. We are going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> What's that sound I hear? Sheep don't sound like that. <laughs> no, that's definitely not sheep. Maybe a rooster? <laughs> Greetings, children. See, I know it. So, what are you doing here? I'm visiting for a time. Where are you from? Nazareth. What is that wood for? I'm building something. Are you a carpenter? Sometimes, but I'm a craftsman. I build all kinds of things. So, why don't you live in the house? I travel a lot. How do you make money? Happy. Just asking him how he makes money. I know, you shouldn't. It's okay. I don't make money when I travel. So for now, I build things and trade them for my food and clothing. What is that? Ah, this is going to be a lock and key. Joshua, ask him questions, he's nice. No, thank you. What else will you build? Wealthy people love decorations and toys for their children. My family isn't wealthy. Many times that's better. I don't know about that. <laughs> you will. 
My mom made me this. Oh, what's her name? Sarah. Very pretty. I love that clip. I love it. I love his interaction with the children there. And, and sometimes we don't always love to picture our Jesus making fart noises with little kids. Like, we don't love that picture all the time. Some of us don't even love that, you know, one of the pastors just said fart in church. They're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll, get to some, I'll get to some more of that later. But, uh, but <laughs> or the Jesus that is willing to sit through. I love that too. Six wise in a row. Like most, most adults, like seven or eight years old, like, oh my God, for the love of me, for the, you know, Jesus saying that for the love of me, you know, get out of here. <laughs> I was, I got six year old home. Like for the love of God, this is, this is PTSD right now. This is taking me right back. <laughs> but Jesus had this ability. I love that nature that they're showing him. He's caring. He's taking the time to answer questions. He's laughing with them. Um, I, I love that he engages with her about her doll there and says it's pretty. Um, but he, he, he was fun. Some of you are like, well, that doesn't prove that he was fun. Well, how about here's another one. Sinners were inviting him to their parties. It says sinners and tax collectors. In other words, the people that didn't subscribe to the religion were like, hey, I don't really subscribe to what you're talking about, but you're having a good time out here, and I want you to come to my party next week. Can you come to that? And listen, again, again, the sinners and tax collectors, like, they're not inviting boring, mean people to their house party. In fact, maybe I just helped crack the secret code for some of you for why you haven't been invited to a party in a while. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of the point, right? Jesus showed up, he had fun, he enjoyed life. Actually, he slowed down, he walked. It talks about him eating, he, he, he drank, he had a good fun time and he enjoyed life. And then he didn't just stop there, he actually invited us to enjoy life. He talks about, there's moments on the, on the, on the Sabbath where you weren't supposed to eat anything and he was telling his disciples, ah, eat, eat some food, let's have some food, let's have a good time. And there were constantly times where he was breaking religious or cultural boxes to enjoy and take in life. He actually says, the son of man won't be with you forever, so let's eat and drink while I'm here. That's literally what, that's a quote. That's Jesus talking about this. So he gave us permission. Why does it matter? It matters so much because if you're following a rigid Jesus, then you will become a rigid Christian. And the more rigid Christian you become, the more children will start coming up to you. Unchurched people will stop inviting you to their houses and to their parties and into their homes. They'll stop inviting you in to speak into their lives. You'll stop having impact. You'll stop having this stuff. Your impact and your, and your influence will only continue to decrease. And why? Not because you're standing up for righteousness. No, because you're following an image that's been given to you of Jesus. This is not biblically factual. This is not legitimate. Let's make sure that we're continuing to follow the, the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. And that Jewish carpenter from Nazareth was not too religiously stuck up or set on cultural boxes that he couldn't hang out with children and he couldn't hang out with the unlovable. In fact, he reached out of his way to do that. He's a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who enjoyed life. Jesus was also a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who cared deeply for people. There's a time actually where Jesus walks into a Jewish synagogue and he sees a man with a withered hand. And, and instead of kind of doing what everybody else had done that day, which is just kind of bypass the man and kind of see and go, oh, that's kind of gross. I wish you'd hide that a little bit more. He actually stops in his tracks and he decides to do something about it. Let's check out this clip. Shalom. Even to the 10th generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord 
forever. I, I see. Because they did not meet you with bread and with what? Excuse me. What are you doing? What is your name? Elam. Your friend Elam has a withered hand. Are you a healer? It is not lawful to heal on Sabbath. Which one of you who has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it who out? Who are you to speak to our congregation in such a of way? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Stop this at once. Come here. Come stand here. It's OK. Elam, sit down. We don't know this person. He could be a shaman. Is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? This affliction does not threaten his life. It does not even affect his health. Jesus. <laughs> I love it for so many reasons. The first thing is he cared. Other people's issues actually matter to him. In fact, many times before Jesus healed or reached out to somebody, it says in scripture, it says this phrase, and he looked out at the crowds or he looked upon the woman or he looked upon the man had compassion on them. Almost 21 times it says he had compassion on them. Compassion is like passionate love turned to action. It's like, I love you too much to not. I have to move because of this. I moved because of my love for you. And so I will do something about this. And so Jesus cared so deeply that even in the face of right, the religious kind of obstacle, he's like, no, this, this is what matters. The person hurting here. And that's that deeply, again, it matters to us because if we're following that Jesus. That means other people's, other people's pain begins to matter to us. We're not just self-centered. We're not just selfish. We're not just self-focused. We think about ourselves and then we go, wait, wait, wait. If God is willing to care about me, then I should be willing to care about others. And just like Jesus modeled this every day within his ministry to care about the other person next to us or the other person outside of our sphere, then we are also meant to do that as Jesus followers. I love that he was willing to do that even when it confronted religion or politics. And that's number three. Jesus enjoyed life. He was a Jewish carpenter who enjoyed life. He was a Jewish carpenter who cared deeply for people. He was also a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who was willing to confront. Jesus wasn't always nice or polite. Oops. In fact, like, I do this too, okay? So 
whatever. <laughs> I do this too. Like sometimes I get into my, my prayer life and I think I've already preconditioned the way God's going to respond to me. I've already preconditioned the way Jesus does things, right? Like I'm in that prayer time and, you know, I'm like, oh, God, you know, I need something from you, God. <laughs> I don't do that with my hands. <laughs> but like, you know, like, Jesus, I need something. God, I, I need help. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just need you. And then, and then like, you know, we all have one of these stories, like the clouds broke and then the whisper and the dove perched onto my shoulder. And he's like, it's going to. You're my son, and I love you. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not, and I, I'm, I mean it, right? I do have stories like that where that's deeply impacted my life, but at the end of the day, that's not always Jesus' response. That's not always what Jesus portrayed to us in Scripture. There were times where he took his disciples aside, and he loved on them, and he cared for them. I'm sure we don't even know the amount of records. It talks about that. We don't even have enough libraries to contain all of the books that we could write about what he did and the love that he showed and the, for, and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace. But there are also times like in Matthew 15, 16, where the disciples are asking for a parable to be explained. This is like the prayer time. God, just, I don't understand. Help me, Jesus. And this is, he responds back with this, Matthew 15, 16. Are you still so dull? <laughs> now, for those of you who need a more like current English vernacular, let's take this one to the message. This is how the message translated it. You too, are you being willfully stupid? Not Jesus. Yes! That's the Bible. The, the other one is the Passion Translation, right? Even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless? <laughs> Imagine like the Messiah. Like this is the guy you've been waiting for. We're following him daily after day after day. He talks some parable that's out of our thing. Now, context is important, right? Remember, he was hanging out with about 12, 16 to 23-year-old guys. So if you haven't been hanging out with those dudes in a while, you understand why some of this language is put this way. That's basically who I've been hanging out with for the last decade of my life. And I've, I could never more relate to Jesus. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you. I've not lost it. I could, whoo, some of these dudes, you know what I mean? <laughs> But I believe, too, Jesus is also calling them up. Like, he's got to be going. If, even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless. He's, he's not just putting them down. He's going, he still hangs out with them for the next day. He's like, Peter, you got to get this because it's going to be built on you someday. John, come on. You got to write some important books. And if you guys aren't getting this, nobody's going to get it. You see what I'm saying? Like, so there's moments where that coaching, right? We could get coached all day long, whether it comes to sports, whether it comes to all, to all different types of things that have a surface relevance. It's like, coach them hard, coach, you know, get them. You know, you put your son in the, in the, on, the, on the sports field, on the football field, in a hockey rink, whatever. You're like, coach them hard, coach them hard, coach them hard. And then Jesus is like, okay, let me coach you hard in your marriage. You're like, ah. <laughs> Are you still so dull? You're not doing the drills I've taught you. I've told you to do these drills. I've told you to start caring. I've told you to sit and have conversations, but you're not doing. Are you still, you're, and you're waiting for Jesus to whisper good things into your ear, and he's trying, but he's trying to knock on your door and go like, hey, but there's a bigger truth here that could help lead to freedom in your marriage. That's a little bit of a bigger deal. Sometimes we're missing we're missing the truth that Jesus has to offer because we're waiting for the whisper, and he's not whispering. He's telling us point blank and clear. 
Mark 12, 24, the Sadducees came to ask Jesus a question at one point. And it says, in the NIV version, it says, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures of the power of God? The message version says it this way. Jesus said, you're way off base, and here's why. One, you don't know what God said. And two, let's go for two. Here's the kicker on two. You don't know how God works. When's the last time you were in a biblical conversation with somebody who kind of knew the scripture, and you were like, one, you don't know God, and two, you don't know how he works. And you got 